This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. More people are finding a college degree just isn't worth it anymore. Even though higher education has long been viewed as the key to achieving the American dream, the rising cost of college, unbearable student debt, and political debates over what to teach in classrooms are among the reasons that some have pointed to for why enrollment has dropped sharply in the last decade. But how exactly did we get here? And will we ever get back to the days where the value of a college education for all wasn't in question? Joining us now is Paul Tuff, author and contributing writer for New York Times Magazine and author of a number of books on education, including The Inequality Machine, How College Divides Us. Hi, Paul. Welcome to the program. Hi. Good to be here. I want to start with the headline for your article in New York Times Magazine. It says, uh, Americans are losing faith in the value of college. Whose fault is that? How would you answer that question? Well, I don't think there's any one person or institution that can be blamed. But I think a lot of it goes back to the the, the, the way that we pay for uh, higher education in this country. Um, so in lots of other countries around the world and in this country, you know, a generation or two ago, um, uh, most public uh, higher education was paid for by the public uh, and going mm-hmm. to a, a good public institution was was pretty cheap, sometimes free. Um, and now that is not true. Um, and the way that, that higher education has changed over that period has made it much, much riskier, much less of a safe bet. And, and that has had all sorts of implications for individual students and families as they make their decisions about college. Yeah. Yeah. As, as you mentioned there, you know, uh, Americans They've turned away from college at the same time that students in the rest of the world, it seems. And and I'm thinking of countries like Canada and the UK and Japan. They've been flocking to campus, it sounds like. Yeah, over the past. So if you look at at, um, our sort of competitor developed nations, the OECD countries, since uh, 2000, on average, they've increased their uh, percentage of young adults who've graduated from college by about 20 percentage points. Um, And in the United States, we're heading uh, more or less in the opposite direction. Since uh, 2015, we've actually lowered our number of undergraduates on campus by uh, two and a half million. Um, So while while these other countries are are putting a lot of emphasis on getting students to, to go to college and to graduate, they really look at higher education as a as a public good, as mm-hmm. a national goal. In this country, it's become much more of a, a sort of competitive uh, uh, free market where we all compete against each other for the, the most ex- exclusive college seats. Um, and the result is it's just created this, this uh, system where not only fewer students are going to college, but a lot of those who are going uh, are finding it um, really difficult and sometimes financially uh, really painful. Yeah, that, that hit ho- hits home for me, Paul. I, I went to high school in Canada, and I remember the overall push back then for a university education, right? It was, it was everything. Um, there was still a 13th grade when I was in, in high school, and that was specifically mm-hmm. for kids who aspired to attend university. That's over, you know, getting a diploma at a community college. Um, and, and that was the majority of us. But now, fast forward, and I'm a mom raising teens in the U.S., and I'm trying to convince them that it's even worth their time and the investment to go to college. I have a junior now who's like, eh, I don't know. I don't know if it's that important. I, I think a high school diploma is is good. <laughs> it's good well, enough. The, uh, I, I sympathize. <laughs> These are definitely anxious <laughs> times for anyone with a junior. Um, but the problem is, I mean, it would be nice to be able to tell your uh, your junior that 
yeah, there are lots of other options. And right. that in fact, there are, there, are, there, are, there are lots of ways to make a decent living without um, uh, some sort of post uh, high school credential. But the statistics say that's just not true. I mean, one, one, of the, one of the things that I think makes this question so confusing is that um, on average, a college degree is still really valuable. So the, that what economists call the college wage premium, how yes. much more college graduates make than high school graduates, it's quite big. It's as big as it's as it's ever been. Uh, on average, college graduates are making about two thirds uh, more than high school graduates. Um, the problem is there's just now a lot of variability. So some college graduates are making out great, uh, and but some are not. Some and, and especially people who start college, uh, borrow money and then don't graduate. Mm -hmm. They are doing uh, exceptionally badly. So whereas in the past or in Canada, I grew up in Canada as well. So I, I've, I've oh, spent really? a lot of time comparing comparing the two countries. Yeah. So I don't know if this was your experience, but in Canada, going to college is not it doesn't feel so high stakes. It's just right. sort of something you can kind of do. You're not spending that much money. It doesn't feel like your your whole future is on the line. Right. Um, and and there's much less of a variation. Like there's a lot of quite good colleges. There aren't uh, sort of a small handful of super duper ones, and then a lot of you know sort of so so right. ones. And as a result, it just feels much less high stakes. Whereas here, it feels uh, in the United States, it feels much more like if you if you play the game right, mm -hmm. if everything goes your way, if you manage to graduate, and if you first if you get into one of the most exclusive universities, and then if you manage to graduate without yeah. too much debt, you're in great shape. Um, it feels like such other people, heavy competition here. I think that's exactly. the word you used earlier, um, which is drastically different. But I, I want to talk more about this college wage premium because i mean that that's that's interesting right and and it's kind of logically what we would think would happen is is you know if you are a college graduate your income is going to be greater than if you were just a high school graduate the, the money that you're making after high school uh, but it seems the college wage premium has had the opposite effect because it it can tell you how much college graduates earn but it's it's not taking into account like how much money they owe and how much they spent in the first place on schooling exactly Exactly. So the college wage premium just just looks at income, and and it's the number that really has held up. If you look at two uh, two individuals the same age, uh, the same background, uh, uh, one that finished college and one that uh, just stopped after high school, the one that finished college on average is going to be making quite a bit more. Um, but what I found interesting and what I wrote about in this article is that that some economists are now looking at what they call the college wealth premium. Yes. So looking at how much over a lifetime uh, you, these two people, the, the college graduate and the high school graduate, how much they'll end up with. And what they found is that for a lot of uh, younger uh, graduates, so so people who were born in the 1980s, uh, sort of old older millennials, that a lot of them are uh, are on track not to have any additional wealth uh, beyond that of a high school graduate. Um, and when they tried to figure out why that could be, they figured that a lot of it had to do with the rising cost of college and especially the debt that a lot of graduates take on. Mm -hmm. um, and so even though they're making more money, they're spending so much of that money on, um, uh, first of all, on, on tuition and then on uh, college debt that they're not able to get ahead. And I think that's what yeah. a lot of uh, American grads are finding these days, right. and that's especially what, younger ones. That's what my daughter was pointing to when she said, uh, I'm fine with just right. my, my high school diploma that I'll get next year. So I, I want to dig more into this college wealth premium that you're, you're talking about here, Paul, and, and the data here. What did researchers find when they studied white college graduates, 
you know, older and younger, black graduates and Latino graduates. I'm thinking that we know which group came out on top here, but talk about the differences and similarities that they discovered. Well, a lot of it had to do with, with the age, with, with what generation you were. So everyone who was born uh, before 1980, people born in the 50s, the 60s, the 70s, um, whether they were black or white or Latino, uh, the college graduates were almost all ending up with, with uh, more wealth than the high school graduates. The problem really came with, uh, with the younger cohorts, with those born in the 1980s, and then they've started to look at the numbers for those born in the 1990s as well. Um, and it's a bit of a difficult calculation because they have to extrapolate, because these people are younger, they have to extrapolate over their lifetime using... Um, uh, various regressions, but what they find is that for those for those younger groups, they are not amassing more wealth over their lifetimes, mm-hmm. uh, and that that is even more pronounced for Black and Latino graduates than it is for white graduates. In fact, for, for Black graduates, it's those born in the 1970s and the 1980s for whom the wealth uh, premium is disappearing. So yeah. they're they're on average not not making more than um, than high school graduate families. The the other number that they found that I found really uh, surprising was for those with postgraduate degrees, and, and these are supposed to be the, yes. the things that really amp up your earnings. And they yeah, do. What, what's they, their they, fate? Right? Are they making they, more money? Are they are they, they more are successful? They are making more money, so their again their wage premium is more. But because um, the cost, especially I think of graduate degrees, that's gone up even faster than the cost of BAs. Oh yeah. But a lot of those people have so much debt that uh, on average, the younger generations with postgraduate degrees, they are uh, actually below the line. They're actually uh, amassing less wealth than a high school graduate family. So we're seeing more students in turn take out loans, trying to get help to pay for this schooling. Exactly. Um, and I think I think what those numbers show, there's as I, as I sort of dug deeper into the economics research about this, Again, it just showed this variability. So it doesn't mean that all of those uh, folks with master, young folks with master's degrees or doctoral degrees are uh, are going broke. Not at all. Um, some of them are doing great, but there's just much more variability. It's much higher education has become. Uh, it used to be more like buying a treasury bill, this really safe, stable investment. Now it is much more like going to a casino. So there are some who are striking it rich and are doing really well, but there are others for whom. Uh, going to college is this really financially disastrous uh, mm-hmm. undertaking. Tell us more about your work, Paul. I mean, what drew you to this this focus, particularly inequality in education? Um, well, I've been writing about inequality in education in one form or another for uh, a couple of decades now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was about it. It was about ten years ago that I first started writing about college, about the American college experience, and when I started off uh, working on this book that became the Inequality Machine. Um, it was this really hopeful time in higher education, and I was interested to find out what people were doing to, to make things better, how we were going to get more people to college, how we were going to get more uh, low-income, um, underrepresented minorities to get to college and to graduate. And there were lots of interesting uh, programs that I was writing about. Um, and, and at some point in the last 10 years, that mood, the mood really shifted. Um, and there still are lots of success stories out there, lots of uh, lots of folks who are, for whom college is, is uh, the same life-changing, transformative experience that it was in the past. Right. 
But because it's become so much more risky, because the, the, there's so much more variability in who does well and who doesn't, I think um, public opinion has really turned against higher education. And so that's what inspired this uh, article. But I was looking at this, these public opinion polls, and one after another was showing that people were saying college isn't worth it. Not into it. We don't yeah. no longer have confidence in it, saying exactly what your daughter is saying. I have no um, faith. And, and, yeah. and really giving up. And, and I think that that, I mean... I think that the combination of that, plus the fact that the college wage premium really still is so large, that's what really worries me. That if there are uh, a, a whole lot of a whole generation that just gives up on college and says, "Nope, we'll just you know take our chances with a high school degree," this, the data does not suggest that that is really a, a much safer option. Um, and especially at a moment when all of these other countries uh, are doing exactly the opposite, where more and more young people are going to college. Right. You know, after the recent uh, U.S. Supreme Court decision to reverse affirmative action, I feel that the question in, in a lot of policy discussions became, OK, well, how do we ensure that students of color can access these, you know, selective colleges, the most selective ones in the country? Uh, some are arguing that ultimately that's only going to help a handful of students. Right. And we, we actually just need to focus on shoring up other schools, the, the largely under-resourced colleges that are already supporting these populations. What do you exactly. think about that? I, I think that's absolutely true. I mean, I, I, one of the strange things about the, the higher education landscape as a whole is when you look at high schools, you know, each, each American high school, uh, public high school, has about the same expenditure. There are certainly some variations in different states, but we've just decided, like, this is what it takes to educate a high school student. In this country, there's this huge variation where we have some uh, schools, especially the most selective ones, that are spending hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, a year on each of their students. And then we have lots of uh, schools, especially those that are less selective, that are spending, you know, a tenth of that amount. And the problem is that those schools that are spending less are the schools that low income and black and Latino and rural students are going to uh, disproportionately. Mm -hmm. um, and so in a way that we, we, I think, have done a much better job over the last uh, few decades in leveling the playing field in high school, we've done the opposite in college. We say, okay, 18, we've decided, at 18 year olds, we've decided everyone should be equal. 19 year olds, no, it's a free for all. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and who your parents are and how much you can pay and where you can get in, that determines what value of education you're going to get. Um, and so, yeah, absolutely, where we need to put our attention is not uh, at the, the, the most selective colleges. Um, it's everybody else right. uh, because there are a lot of institutions, community colleges, uh, public institutions, where uh, students just aren't getting as stable an education yeah. as and, they got And most path. kids aren't leaving, right? I mean, only one in five are actually traveling to a school outside of their home state. Most of them are staying home and going to, like you said, you know, the schools right around you. Right. And so for, I think for a lot of students, um, their experience is that there isn't a big difference between the last year of high school and the first year of college. They're, you know, you drive a little bit further to your local college instead of your local high school. Yeah. But it feels more or less the same. It's just that suddenly it's expensive. <laughs> so right. so where high school had been, um, uh, you know, free and, and the whole community supports it, suddenly you're, you're in this, this free market where you're, you're expected to, uh, to pay the bills. And, and the education you're getting is really, you know, right. it should just be a continuum. Like, I think we've mostly decided we, our students do need more than just a 12th grade education to succeed. Right. And yet at age 18, we suddenly tell them, you're on your own. You figure it you out. you got to figure out your entire life. All right. Well, in the minute I have left with you, I mean, based on your reporting, Paul, in 2023, are students in the U.S. 
are they better or are they worse off when they venture into higher education? And I know that that's a difficult one to answer with certainty, but give it a shot. What's the future of higher ed as you see it? Well, I think, I mean, uh, for any individual student, I think, you know, if you're, a, if you're a kid who likes school, then college is almost always the right choice. The question I think more that's more clear than it was a little while ago is you really need to think about the cost. Um, I think there was a time in the past where we just said, whatever you pay for, for a college degree, it's worth it because yeah. of the advantage that it gives you. And I think um, a lot of families are realizing that that's not always true. Um, and so public options and you know going whoever gives you the best financial aid package, I think that's a much more reasonable uh, discussion for families to have than it used to be. The, the broader question of where higher education goes uh, uh, as an institution, I'm much less certain about. I mean, yeah. I, I think I think there's a lot of complacency, uh, both in higher education and in the, the, the government, uh, our state and federal governments that support higher education. We are just assuming that things are going to go on the way that they have. Right. And what I see in these numbers uh, is much more uh, much more problematic. We'll leave it there. Paul Tufts, an author and contributing writer on education for New York Times Magazine. His latest book, The Inequality Machine, is available now. Thank you, Paul. Thank you so much.